Okay, so really quickly, I'm curious. When I was watching you doing the show, you still have so much enthusiasm for doing this after over 10 years. Is it surprising to you that you still have enthusiasm to do this and you're not sick of it yet? It's still my favorite thing by far that I do. I don't like the morning hours as much, if that a bit, but it's still my favorite thing because it's able to be you know, long form or medium form. I'm able to actually express full thoughts. Um, it's the quickest way to connect with folks. Um, not even just the live part of it, but I feel like my show is live and, and podcast, and I value them the same. You know, that that has definitely transitioned a bit where it used to be we care about the podcast, but we really got to care about the live show. Now, we do care about the live show, but there's just so much digital space that you'll never own, but that you that you can exist in and really thrive if done right. And to me, I think it's exciting because... I just haven't, it's, it's new. It's like the part of the media world that still hasn't been figured out. Which part hasn't the podcast, it's just the digital part. It, the digital podcast. Part. it can be, but a podcast to me is anything that you can get on your phone. Even I watch podcasts on my phone. So, which is weird because usually you only listen, but I also consider that kind of radio. So it's basically to me, anything that I consume on my phone, watch or hear to me, that's kind of a podcast because some podcasts go just straight video. Um, you know, even with TikTok, like I'll watch a five minute podcast clip and I've, uh, JJ Reddick's an example. I'm a big sports guy. I've never listened to JJ Reddick's podcast through downloading it and listening to my ears, but I think I've heard probably every episode through watching it five minutes at a time on TikTok. So that's what keeps me excited is that there's still a lot of growth that can happen and I'll never all the way be grown. And I still enjoy doing what I've always done. I now just get to do it in many more places. How much does social media play a role into your growth strategy? Do you think about it a lot? It's such a big part of it now that I have hired somebody to help me do it. Forever, I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay authentic. And But what I was noticing was I didn't have the capacity to do it well and me run all of it. So I still make all the content and still write the stuff, but I've hired somebody that helps me strategize on when it goes up, how long it should be, what the teasers are. So yeah, it's vital and not, it's not always vital for people to come and listen to, to bring people to listen to the radio show, but to have that life out there because they all kind of work as one body. Um, but where I would go like, yeah, I need to be on social media. People need to see my tweets. Now it, it, it is so vital from YouTube um, you know, the content that we go out and shoot on our own, uh, to Instagram, to the personal things that, that I have hired somebody with my own money to make sure I don't screw it up. Because if done right, you can monetize it pretty well. I, I never really spent much time monetizing YouTube. Our show YouTube page does well, but the company makes money off that. You know, I don't make money off the show YouTube page. I guess I, if I do, it's only part of it because I have part ownership of the show and eventually it comes back around. But like my personal YouTube, I never took any time investing in it. But I just started like three months ago. I got a $6,000 check, which is crazy. Pretty good. Yeah. And yeah. it's awesome. And so if done right, I think I can make more money than I'm spending making sure that my socials are correct. So yes, it, it's a big part, but more so than just people getting to know me, just doing it right so people see the content that 
I or we're creating. Across your brands, too much like too much access, 25 whistles, the show, the podcast. Where are you looking for innovation across platforms? You know that uh, we do a video sports show called Too Much Access um, that was kind of a branch off of 25 Whistles, which is a sports podcast that we I never really planned to do either. But I love sports. This could go on indefinitely too, 25 Whistles. I don't know. So the, the quick version of that Not is... Not to derail you. I used to do sports um, on Fox Sports Radio. I did a national sports show for a while. And I did it with my one of my best friends who was a tennis player, Andy Roddick, and I did it by myself for a long time. And then I just couldn't tour and do that show. It was a national weekend show. So I got out of doing sports. But I still would come back and do some sports things either on the radio or I would do uh, uh, like I, the draft on ABC ESPN. I'd help cover that on TV. And so DraftKings was like, hey, would you come and do a show? And we couldn't work out a deal because they wanted like four shows a week. And finally I was like, I can do two. We worked it out. And since legalized sports betting is in, you know, 30 some odd states now, um, they want personalities. And I was the only non-sports personality they hired to do sports. But I have a history in it, so we did it. And it was, it's going great. We still do 25 Whistles, and we didn't even have a name for it. We just do, we, I signed for 25 episodes. That's, that's why that show was named that. Yeah. And then we just blow the whistle at the end of every episode. Well, first season, we did like 41 episodes just because we love doing it so much. But we would go to these places and do interviews and I was like, man, there's, there's room video-wise, not just to load the interviews because we do, but we can shoot some pretty funny content. So it's like the best of, of what I feel like I enjoy doing, so that makes me better at it because I care. And so we're kind of funny. We also love and know sports. We get to hang out with the coaches. We hang out with the players. So that show kind of came out of nowhere, but it, it was just passion and – I mean, that's the show that I've not sold to television purposefully because I love doing it so much. I probably have turned down a bit of money, not a bunch because I pay for the whole show myself, travel and everything, and I make enough through sponsors back on it. Um, but I just don't want to give it up because I, it, I love it. And the same thing with the radio show. Like, I love it so much, but that's why I think it keeps getting better because if you find something that you love, you naturally – do it with such passion that you almost have to get better at it. Then you're celebrated. Your platform gets bigger, and it's just a cycle. Um, so I think that that too much access show could possibly turn into something bigger um, because it, it, that and the radio show are so fun. Yeah. Wait, did that answer the question about where you're looking? That, that's probably for... that's probably where I would grow. If you said you get to do one thing, and we're, you're going to spend all your resources growing it it'd probably be too much access to video show we get to go hang out with coaches and players and yeah you guys look like you have so much fun it's, doing it's, it it's the greatest yeah. you but, train with the train with them and everything but it's the same feeling i have about the radio show where i love doing it so i care about it so i make sure it's done right as far as the best of my ability and because i do that and i care about it so much it gets better and i learn more and again that cycle just continues so um, I've never enjoyed doing radio more than I do now. I love that. Ever. I mean, yeah. it's, it's awesome. What have been, do you think, the one to two, maybe three things that directly led to your personal brand being able to expand beyond radio? Are there a couple things that you think you can oh, credit yeah, that yeah, to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, honestly, just tenacity. Because I, I definitely am not super skilled on television. But doing live radio in long form for so long 
did give me a skill set for live television and not to freak out. And it was just naturally in me when I started doing live television, if it was Idol or if it was Dancing with the Stars or if I was hosting the Today Show for a week or whatever it was, you get like fun nervous, but you don't get nervous because it's big and it's live because I do it every day. Um, that's, that is a skill that I've developed and not purposefully for TV, but I, but it has worked so well for me in television. Once I got people to give me a chance, the tenacity part is I just would fly to California over and over and over again, begging for meetings, acting like I was just there anyway, when I really wasn't. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to be there at this time. Is there any chance you can meet? Well, I can't, uh, until two. Well, I'll just move something, but I, I was never going to California anyway, but I would just go constantly and beg for meetings and, you know, it started with me on television, like getting these really, really tiny roles, not acting, but like I would be like a correspondent on Entertainment Tonight's junior version. But that's really what it was. And then you meet people and they grow. And if you've done a good job with them, they remember you. And it's pretty organic as to how it's all happened. Um, and I had a, a, a span there for a while where I was doing a lot of television but I was really exhausting myself and I could feel it starting to hurt the radio show. So I pulled back a bit when I was in South America for two months. It was tough. Um, So now I think I have the luxury of doing what I love to do. And I don't even care about the television part of it as much anymore. Content's just content if it's on television or, or on the phone. And so my, I've adjusted how I look at eyes and ears. I'm trying to get it however I can get it. And it doesn't have to be a show. I've, I've, turned down and been rejected for a bunch of television shows just because I didn't feel like it was right. Like I could do some TikToks and have more viewers and do the show that I like. So uh, the television thing just came about because one, I was naturally good at it because radio taught me to be good at it. And two, I just kept beating on doors and not really having any background in it or skill set, but just trying to get people to believe. I just need one person. And were there any elements to your personal brand that you just noticed looking back that you built that then allowed you to go do comedy or to go do the book? Was it purely, you know, the radio show and the social media account and that following was enough? Oh, that's the radio show. Yeah. I mean, the radio show is the jump off for everything. For everything. That's your folk. That's yeah. your center point. But the radio show is yeah. also the podcast, right? So now when I say radio show, I definitely mean podcast because we have, you know, millions of listeners a month on our podcast I don't know, 12 million. I don't know what it is, but um, it's all right. It's all that. And that's given me the opportunities to go. I have a following. Why don't you give me a chance to do something little? And I'll tell everybody I'm doing something little and they'll come watch. But then if I do a good job, then people will hire me based on what skill I can bring and my platform. So it's all radio. There's a great clip I was watching on YouTube last night. It's a two part clip of you interviewing Taylor Swift. And I think you guys, it was like one of the first times you ever interviewed her. Mm. I think the clip is a masterclass on an interview. The banter you had was incredible. I don't even know. I don't watch back interviews because you don't even know uh, this uh -uh. clip. Oh my God. I won't even watch back the John Mayer interview. That's like, this is going to blow my question that I was curious if you remember this moment or tell me the moment. So the moment was she walked in. It was the first time you ever met. You were joking about being you were both a reporter had wrote that you were both um, like meteors or rocket ships or something. Mm. And you were both giving each other so much shit back and forth. She brought you in cookies. She came in in like a white dress. It was in the old studio. I remember it. Yeah. Taylor's always been great. I mean, 
I was going to ask you if you remember if the cookies were good, but you were such a master in this interview. I, I remember, can't even explain it. I. The, uh, I don't. I don't think. I don't know if I ate the cookies, but I remember. No, I was, you ate I, them on. I was um, sick anyway. Yeah. And then I was like, I think your cookies made me sick. I remember that, but the cookies actually didn't make me sick. But that was the joke. Um, but I don't, man, I'm t- that feels like a different lifetime ago. It was ten years ago. I think there are certain artists or certain, and even and Taylor was massive then. So ten years ago, Taylor was still a monster. Um, there are certain artists that are so big that people don't treat them normal. And so when you treat this them is, normal... This is why it was a good interview. They are a, a bit positively shocked by it. And they're like, oh, okay. Mostly people are just like, what's your influence? I'm so I'm such a big fan. But if I'm like, whatever I say to whomever, if it's a big star, it rem- they're normal again. And then all of a sudden you find out who they really are and how cool they really are. So I'm sure, because she's quick. Taylor's quick. And so I'm sure that was a bit of it. And I think at times, because it, it, it doesn't always work out like that. There'll be somebody I'll be like, hey, I'm, you're normal. And they're like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, that sucks. Um, but Taylor is, in many ways, a normal person. And I remember just, that was like the first time I met her. Um, just being like, oh, okay, I treat her normal. She treats me normal. This is funny. This is like what people want to hear from her. That's why it was, the, it was such a great interview, because I feel like, she was so normalized. I don't think you'll ever see an interview like with her like that ever again, especially where she'll just give 20 minutes completely unfiltered, so laid back. It's a great clip. No, thanks. Does it have a bunch of views? Do you no, know? it has like 500,000 views. I think it's mind-blowing. I, I, I was like, oh, this has to have millions of views. and had like 500,000 views, which is good. I suck. All right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was talking to a iHeart salesperson who said that out of everyone he works with across the entire ecosystem, your team returns assets around faster than anyone. He says if he gets a request to Lunchbox for an ad read or anything, he does it faster than any show by a mile. It's always been my priority because we started off with me syndicating myself, spending my own money on technology and begging stations. So the one thing that we could do was whatever you need from us, we will get it to you almost immediately. So So you instill that in the team? I had to to just survive early because it was, guys, if somebody wants something, if it's a video from me, if it's, we need to get them as fast as possible because if they're knowing we're working for them, they're working for us. And that relationship works because then they care a bit. And it's kind of hard to be a show, not so much anymore because it's, it's very normal now, but to be a, a syndicated show was a different monster even five years ago because the salespeople were like, we don't know them, they're not here. So what I would do is just personalize anything they wanted. I mean, I still do every day before I start the show. I do 25 pages of local liners every day that that stations all over the country send me. And it doesn't even feel weird, but it's just the culture that I had to build to survive. It's not that it's like, oh, look how nice of a guy he is. We had to build that culture to survive. But in a, a time when you have to be personal, that is our goal, to be as personal, as timely as possible even today. What do you do? Because sometimes when I, you know, if someone needs something from me, sometimes I'll say, oh, I want to get to you right now. But I think if I do it this afternoon or this evening, I'll be in a better mindset to do that. Do you ever experience that where you think, okay, should I get to you right now? Or if I do it, if I go home and take a nap, I might be more well rested and can get you a better piece of content. No, I just Or you do just it. don't think like that. I just that. do it. You I just, just, do I just it. try to do it because I don't want there to be a reason that it ends up not being done. You know, to me, the value is it being good, but getting it to them in a timely manner. And it's probably not going to be that much better. I'm, if, I'm not going to get that much funnier if I take a nap. But with me, time... It's precious. 
it is, but it's not any more precious for me than anybody else. But I really, because I want to get so much done or I want to have an, uh, to attempt to get so much done, I do have everything sectioned off on my calendar. And so if I have a block to do it, I try to get it all done then. But I completely understand that, you know, there are times where I don't want to do stuff. Like I talked about not listening to interviews back. I, I hate me. And I, I, I can't listen to interviews back. We taped a comedy special and we did in three different cities. Self-funded it, right? We you, did. You, yeah. And so we did three different cities and we could have not self-funded it because if you're just decent and you have a platform, they'll pay you a hundred thousand bucks to do a comedy special. But I wanted to do it honestly my way. And if it failed, that was okay. At least I did it like I do everything else. And uh, my executive producer went through the first edit and she sent it. She's like, I need notes on this. I couldn't watch it for like three weeks. I just couldn't watch it. Couldn't, couldn't look at me. I couldn't be irritated with, and so that's been a bit of a process, but unless it's me, I do everything immediately. Interesting. Just so people have it. Just so people have it. Um, Okay. This might be a played out conversation, but I was just looking at the data of women on country radio last year. They got played less than 10%. You're obviously a massive advocate uh, for women on country radio in so many ways, but what do you think is happening here? Like it was even lower last year in 2023 than it was in 2022. Like you're so deep in the industry, you know what's going on. And like, you know, if there's one thing you could challenge the radio industry to do in 2024 for, you know, more women on country radio, is there anything to comment on that? I mean, it's been the conversation the entire time I've been here to the point where, you know, in my contract, I negotiated an hour of national content just to play female artists to get them to move up the chart. Like there's, if I'm being honest, that's the only, the only goal of my negotiation on my contract to make this women of I Heart country show exist was so I could make sure female artists get played. So hopefully they'd get cheated up the chart a little bit. So then people would give them an opportunity more. Um, otherwise I, I don't even know what's on the chart. Any, you know, I, I do content and I try to be funny. Um, it's really not a system that I've seen huge gains the entire time. I think there are certain people that do a lot like, Rod Phillips, who works here, like we sit and try to find about twice a year, because I don't do a lot of music stuff, about twice a year, he's like, hey, who are some great female artists that we can invest in early? But a lot of the labels aren't signing. The problem was they weren't signing a lot of female artists, like to, you know, the female to dude ratio was like seven to one. And if you're not investing in them and there's seven dudes to one uh, female, well, it's not going to be even because they're not pushing that one the same as they're pushing all seven. So it's just a numbers game. Uh, but, but I don't have the answer, but I know that I try to put female artists opening for me on tour. Um, I do the national show. Um, I try to have a bunch of new female artists. I have way more new female artists that come on the morning show than I do dudes. All the dudes to me are the same. You know? yeah, you've had some great women on recently. So, yeah, so I don't know the answer. And I think anybody that says they do, they're probably... F- um, I don't know. They they probably haven't, because nobody has enough control to fix it. Meaning, I negotiated an hour worth of national content, and I all I can do is move some of a chart a few spots to hopefully have a program director at another company look and see. Oh, this person moved up. Let me check out their music. But because it's so diversified, because even iHeart does iHeart doesn't own fi- even fifty percent. Um, it's tough. I don't even know how to do research nowadays. But yeah, it sucks. 
Anything across the radio industry, since this is going to go out CRS, anything that you think the radio industry should be looking at or exploring in order to make it a better industry and maybe a more um, uh, innovative industry? I think if you have talent that you really believe in, that's really going to be the separator. There's a lot of fine talent, but if there are some, there's great, there's a few great talents that I can even think of. And again, this it's unfair because I'm going to list like my favorite people, but like Charlemagne, like I would, in, I'd invest money and time and resources, and they do, right? Yeah. Um, but you think even more? Like, what does Charlemagne need well, that he, he well, Charlemagne doesn't have? Well, no, but I mean, he, he didn't always have that. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. So I would find talent that you really believe in and give them a little bit of empower, maybe isn't the word, but if you let them have a little bit of decision, because people can go and choose music all they want when they want. But if you have somebody, and we see it with influencers, we see it with. Um, social media personalities that aren't even influencers. Like there are people that people are just drawn to and can make you money. That's the whole point of the game, right? Make money. Um, we don't own the stations. The companies do and they pay us and they got to make money so they can pay us. But if you have a talent that can really make a show, but it's tough. Like that's who to, that's that invest in that talent and spread them out because sponsors want to be with people who can, sell their message which means those same talent are selling their message and people are enjoying it um so it's just an invest in talent not all the talent everybody whines about it. there's no money but i would just say find one two three really good people and, and not even develop them it's all you know there are things you can do but either somebody's got it or they don't and they don't have to come from radio but I would just say develop, just just uh, find find great talent and give them a little more, um, just a a little more leverage in what they're able to do daily. That's good. I like that. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my company has <clears throat> done that with me. It's crazy. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And we get you know ratings in every city all the time, and if we have a ratings period that's not great. But again, we're talking 300 cities, so it's there's just going to be pockets that aren't good anyway, just a numbers game. But my company just believed in me to go, all right, well, it's not that good here. Uh, just so you know, this, this is the deal. Do some local stuff, send them some stuff, but we trust in you to fix it. And that is so much better for me and my mental health, my professional mental health, than we suck in Greensboro. What are we going to do? Because I care so much. All they have to do is say, we're having this issue here. We trust that you'll fix it. How do you fix it? Is it the local liners? Because doesn't the same show go out yes. across? So how? what does that mean to go and fix it? Honestly, it means just giving a little love to, to even the people working at the station because our show runs. It is what it is. However, there are some places that don't put enough care into the show where things are getting chopped off. It's jumping out of us. It's going into commercials. They're not coming in at the right time. But I have found that if I have a communication with the program director or whomever it is and let them know, hey, I really care about this. Let me know what you need, that they tend to care more as well. And so mostly that's it. Uh, obviously, there are times we just suck, but mostly it's if we're having bad ratings, it's because the show's not being run properly. And it's just getting to the root of that technical problem a lot of times. And that's just as technical as it is, it's still just human relationships. Okay, makes sense. If someone's reading this and wants... A little Bombie Bones workout routine. 
couple little things that you can give them? Is there a routine? The greatest thing that I do now, yeah, is and I've never done it my whole life. Is stretch, really? meaning. Yeah, I couldn't touch my toes my whole life, and I was a decent. Oh, I athlete. want to talk to you about this. I'm I can't touch my. I'm horrible. How'd you do I this? I could get halfway to my sh- half down my shins. Can never do it. I literally did it the same way I do everything else. I just spent time on it, fifteen minutes a day, three times a day. Just bending down or doing other stretches. Well, I would do hamstring stretches, but then I would go from hamstring stretches to other. I would just get on the internet. There's and do what uh, hips hip, but the stretching for me. And then I do just push ups. I'll do ten push ups. Do a stretch, nine push-ups, do a stretch, eight push-ups, do it. go to one, and I'm done. But that takes 20 minutes, but I'm so much more flexible now, which allows me to perform better in any of the other physical areas that I'm trying to perform. Like I do too much access. I do um, anything I'm doing that is physical at all. I'm so much better because I have flexibility. That, to me, is, has been the biggest thing. Okay, I like that. That's really good. But it's an easy answer, but it's so easy that people will be like, well, that's just a chump answer. It's honestly the thing that's helped. It's like when someone says, just drink more water. And you're like, well, that sounds so easy. No, literally, if you drink enough water, you will just naturally feel better. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Who's the most famous person you've interacted with recently who's not in country music? I work out with Ben Rector like three times a week. I mean, I don't know if he's... he's Can he touch his toes? Probably not. Probably he's not. Good. But I mean, he's Loser. not in country music. and I mean, he's obviously he sells at amphitheaters, but maybe famous wouldn't... Be um, non-country music. I'm sure as soon as this is over, I'm be like, oh yeah, oh I mean athlete. I mean after, uh, sure, uh, like professional athletes. Like oh, oh yeah, you've been with a lot lately. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of a cheat answer. But I was with Bryce Young. That's pretty good. Who we're kind of yeah, yeah. you know whatever. Who's the quarterback for was for Alabama now at Carolina. Um, Miles Turner who played at Texas and now is with the Pacers. That to me is super cool. The yeah. coaches. Like, it's awesome that I can just text Shane Beamer, who's the head coach of South Carolina, be like, what up? Yeah. I get so excited about that. All right. That's a good answer. Uh, wrapping up here, Bobby Bones Cruise is going to happen? <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> I, I've i only ever been on, like, a boat, an ocean boat once, really. It was shooting Breaking Bobby Bones, and I vomited. Now, people tell me that that's a cruise is not like a fishing boat, but I couldn't stand up. I vomited for two days straight. It was awful. Being nauseous sucks. And now I just bleh, throw up, throw up, throw up. Um, and so I made the joke because the show was like, let's do a cruise. And I made the joke, if we got paid enough, we would do it. But the thing is, we've had a couple of clients be like, we'll pay you enough. And I just cannot pull the trigger because I know I'm going to get sick on that boat. And then it's not worth it. So I don't never say never. But as of right now, we do not have plans for one. Um, TV show that you're watching, watching Monarch. We just finished Monarch. What do you think? I liked it. I don't even like Godzilla. Yeah. Meaning I don't hate Godzilla. I have no feeling or emotion about Godzilla. Yeah. It feels yeah, like me too. black and white. Did you, you know what pissed me off about that show, though? I watched the, I, the whole thing. Why were they so... I feel like the two teams should have come together. Why were they so mad at each other? I never got that part. I think both thought they were keeping secrets. But to me, that's I ridiculous. Agree. There was some cheesy stuff on it, for sure. To me, I'm like, the whole world's about to end. Can yes. we not just... Like, it seemed crazy to me. I... My wife doesn't like that either. Like, uh... She doesn't not like it, but she's not like, I'm going to watch a Godzilla show. But we, it was a good, it was good. It was a good watch for us. Yeah. It was, it, it was entertaining. I'd give it, it an easy watch. Four out of five, you know, Godzilla. Like Godzilla's. Yeah. We, we started watching American Nightmare, that three part docuseries about the couple where the woman was kidnapped and then she just shows up again. And 
is a new story. I don't remember it, but we got like halfway through that and it was really good. My wife was like, man, this is so dark. So we're going to finish that. But we try to stay on a show. Like we try to have a show all the time that we can actually just kind of meet at in the evening. Um, but I'm really excited about Squid Game 2 and the um, Apple show with the brain. The, the oh, uh, uh, oh, God, I know exactly what you're talking about. With Adam Scott. Is that coming back? I thought yeah, that they're was... shooting it. They're shooting it now. They're shooting it now? Yeah. That that might be one of the best. It's the best show. It might be one of the best series finales why, I've ever seen. Why are we not saying the name of it? I can't think of it. Not I, oh my. Or, uh, it's the one where they're in the office. Yeah, and they don't know. Like, and and the, the, season, fin- the and season finale was the best season finale I've ever you, seen in any show. Much. I've said too much already. Said too much. Well, I don't fucking know what it is now. Um, okay, have we left anything out? I don't know what we put in. I don't even know what we put in. He's not going to listen back to it anyway. It By the matter. way, you have to listen to this Taylor interview, even though I know you won't. I won't. Even though I know you won't, I, it was it was such a great interview. She'll never give an interview like that ever again. I will take your word for it. Take my word for it. All right. <laughs> All right. We did it. I got nothing else. I'm making sure I got nothing else. Awesome. That's Thanks, it. man. Dude, thank you. Um, you can also, if you want to load this on your podcast, you can too. I might do that. That way I can be like, I said it. Here's why I don't do written interviews. You're the first written interview I've done in... Probably four years. Really? Why? Because when written, tone, sarcasm, a lot of my humor cannot be translated from the person who is writing it to the page. And it comes off as either being a dick or it just looks funny. Uh, And so I stopped doing them. And people would take me, not so much out of context, but they would take something I was saying as a joke or a bit of sarcasm and place it like it was an actual thing that I was saying with nothing around it. And so I just stopped doing it. And so this is the first one I've done forever. So if you put it up as a podcast, then I can be like, look, go look. Go there look. it is. There it is. That's no, how I said it. We're going to make you look good. We're going to take it verbatim from the audio. We're just going to put in some weird, like, you know, racist stuff. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Don't exactly. get me canceled, please. Uh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, if, it'll be a light canceling. We'll make you know, sure I've that you're able to, a couple to do a comeback. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't want it to be too easy, you yeah, know? It won't be anything racist or sexist. Yeah. yeah. By the way, have you seen Blue Zones on Netflix? We watched um, a couple of the episodes. We watched the Japan or the uh, – where in Japan were they? Uh, on an island. Um, the um, – uh, I just remember it, they were in Ikarik. Uh, oh it my. doesn't matter, but they're in a so, – yes. Yeah, the yeah, answer yeah. is yes. And then what was crazy to me about that show was they live so much older there, and what they were talking about – just one of the things is they sit on the floor so often that their core gets so much stronger yeah. because they have to stand up all the time. They're yeah. not in chairs that are up. So since they're on the ground so much, they may be 87, but they still have to sit on the ground and get up, which keeps their muscles active. Right. And their friendship groups are closer. Is uh, Okinawa. Okinawa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That show, they were like everyone who people who garden live like 20 years yeah. longer. Probably a mental health thing too. Probably a mental health thing. Yeah. I, 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 do you have a garden? <laughs> no. No, I need, some, I need some help in that area. <laughs> All right, Bobby. All right, thanks. Thank, thanks. thank you. Ugh.